0: Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to this teaching class on the book of First Thessalonians for the Thames Valley and Watford Churches of Christ. We are up to chapter 4, verse 13, and we're going to be looking at a passage from there down to chapter 5, verse 11. And it's about those who've died in Christ, about the second coming of Christ, about the dates and times, and about how we live in response to the fact that we know that we live in Christ and will live eternally in Christ. So, what's the situation here? He says in verse 13... Brothers and sisters, we do not do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. This is the reason for writing this section. Uh, it's a long section uh, when you consider the length of the letter dealing with the second coming. It must have been a significant problem in Thessalonica if Paul felt he needed to spend so much time uh, talking about it. Uh, during his stay in Thessalonica, Paul had clearly taught that the second coming of Christ was to be expected and some people that he taught understood that to mean that they personally would see Christ come and everybody there would do so but perhaps in the meantime some Christians have well clearly died and so what are the consequences of this would they the dead Christians be at a disadvantage when the second coming happens did perhaps it invalidate what Paul had told them or had those dead Christians sinned in such way as might be implied by a passage like 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30. So some Christians have died in Thessalonica and other people still there aren't sure what to believe about where these people are and what will happen to them. So Paul is writing this so that they won't be ignorant and uninformed and they won't be unconfident. Uh, they'll be confident of the situation with what you might call the sleepers uh, in, in a, a metaphorical uh, sense. And then we don't have to grieve like the world does. There is hope. We have hope because of what Christ has done for us. So it says in verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So this is central here. Jesus himself, his death, his resurrection is central to these arguments and to all of what we are as Christians, of course. Jesus uh, is referenced here. That's part of the answer. He is our forerunner, our brother, our model. Uh, We can have confidence in his experience being ours. Our faith is not founded on theories or concepts or philosophies or speculations, but the person and example of Jesus. If he died and rose, then those Christians who are already dead, we can be confident they will rise. They will not miss out. In the light of the resurrection, there can be no doubt that God was in Christ. And if God was in Christ, then just as he raised his son, so in due time, he will raise those who are in Christ. The resurrection is the guarantee of the Christian hope and Jesus it says will bring with God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him so those have already died they're with Christ and they will come together with Christ when he comes back so they're again they're not going to uh, they're not going to miss out they've fallen asleep but that's the worst thing that could happen to them that's all they're just kind of in some sense asleep in verse 15 according to the Lord's word we tell you that we who are still alive when Christ comes back who are left uh, until the coming of the Lord if that's you or me whoever it is we will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep so we don't get preferential treatment if we're still alive when Jesus comes back over the people who are already dead in Christ Uh, all are going to share equally in the blessings of that event. Verse 16 the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command the voice of the archangel the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. The uh, J.B. Phillips translation says one word of command, one shout from the archangel, one blast from the trumpet of God and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Very exciting scene so uh, here. Not so much Paul teaching doctrine so much as assuring the people in Thessalonica that this will happen and it will be wonderful and you'll all share in it, the dead and those who are still living. God has all things in hand and everything will be okay those, for those alive and those, in a sense, sleeping. God will come, he will make it happen. And he'll come down. Well, not literally, of course. Directions up and down are a little meaningless when it comes to spiritual realities in the second coming. So let's not read too much into this, uh, especially you know, the theories of the rapture. It talks about being caught up in the air. Is that literal? Highly unlikely when you consider Old Testament apocalyptic language and prophetic language that you read about in the Old Testament kind of language that's being used here, trying to use images and words to convey something which is frankly indescribable. So he's using picture language to get something across that's the heart of the the matter, and we shouldn't get focused on the detail here because that's not the point. Uh, There's a loud command. The loud command is like a charioteer urging his horses. The archangel, the trumpet, which is something associated with divine activity in the Old Testament. I'll put some links in the show notes And it's going to be amazing. And the point is, it's like everybody's going to notice. Everybody that's in Christ will participate. And the PA has been turned up to 11 is what's going on here. It's going to be awesome. For some, it'll be awful, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's going to be amazing and awesome. After that, verse 17, we who are still alive and allowed to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Again, not a physical location, but more that we're going to be with the Lord in his realm. We'll be... And a key phrase here, and so we will be with the Lord forever. We, Paul, the Thessalonians, those who are alive and those who have already died, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with uh, these words. Um, these are the words that are meant to encourage each other because we're all going to share in this. It's going to be okay. God will keep uh, his promises. Then we go on to chapter five, uh, connected issue, but slightly different about times and dates. So chapter 5 verse 1, about those times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Why not? Because he's already told them what the date is. No, because nobody knows. Jesus said he didn't know, only the Father knows. So certainly Paul doesn't and the Thessalonians don't. We don't need to write about that. Verse 2, because you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You you don't you don't expect that thief in the night. They come when you don't expect him or her to come while people are saying verse 3, Peace and safety, which was a slogan of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was like, you know what the Roman Empire is? It's peace and safety. You know, you can de- you can depend on us. Paul says, that's just a lie. That's just papering over the cracks. No, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Suddenly is the key word. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. The labor pains are inevitable, right? They are going to come, whether you like it or not. So they will be sudden they'll be inevitable. This day will come. So don't worry about all the current persecution and sufferings that's going on. It's really challenging. We understand that. But it's limited and it's time bound because uh, this day will come just as surely as labor pains for a, a pregnant pregnant woman. So this is what he's trying to get across. It's going to be wonderful for some people. It's going to be awful for others because there will be destruction as well as Uh, celebration for those who are in Christ. Then verse 4 he asks the Christians to really think that about well what does that mean for the way that I now live. He says this day shouldn't surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Verse 6. So then let us not be like others who are asleep He doesn't mean the Christians who are dead asleep now. He's talking about those who aren't enlivened by the Holy Spirit and don't understand the significance of this. Let's not be like those who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Paying attention to what God is doing and being uh, being disciplined in the way that we live. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. We are not in the darkness, right? We don't live in the darkness. We live in the light. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober putting on, and this is a key phrase, and this is one of those places in Thessalonians where you see faith, hope, and love put together, Uh, putting on the uh, faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Verse nine, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. This is the promise. He's encouraging them. You're not people of wrath. You're not destined for wrath. You're destined for salvation. God has that in hand for you. You, uh, you will enjoy that, the, the receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gets another mention here. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, in other words, whether we are uh, living when he comes back or dead when he comes back, doesn't make any difference, uh, we may live together with him. We, you, me, and all the people will live together with him, not only now, but in the next life, in eternal life. Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up just as in fact you are doing. A few other thoughts on uh, these uh, 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 on, uh, these uh, encouragements from Paul here. he is very clear that there is a day and there is a night and there are those who are awake and those who are asleep. and perhaps he's detecting among some of the Thessalonians that there's been some spiritual complacency. And since Jesus has not yet come back, they're wondering if he ever will, if it will be worth hanging on to their faith in the meantime. And they are struggling, perhaps, with their trust of God in the meantime. And he's saying, no, 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 you you have to understand, you may not know when it's coming, but it is coming and it will be glorious for those who hold on. As Tom Wright says in his commentary on this, God's new world has broken in on the sad, the sleepy, the drunken and the deadly old world. Why do you want to be part of that deadly old world when this new world has broken in? So put on that breastplate, put on that helmet. There are other scriptures that talk about that and enjoy this life of faith and love and hope. You notice hope is put at the end there, I think as an emphasis because there is hope because of what Jesus has done for us. We are called and appointed for salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's intention and desire for us is entirely benevolent. Even though living, sometimes, uh, living for him can sometimes get us into trouble and a lot of problems, his desire is benevolent. It will end in salvation and us being together with Christ. What a wonderful thought. Uh, Jesus is the reason we have this, and this might be something to reflect on as you talk about this together, is how much we owe Jesus. Because we wouldn't have any hope of a new life or the next life. We wouldn't have any hope at the day of judgment, at the day of Jesus's return. We wouldn't have that unless Jesus died for us, verse 10, so that whether awake or asleep, we may live together with him and in him. Encourage each other uh, with these words and build each other up in the same way. Just as in fact you are doing, but let's do it more. That's part of what Paul's all about in a lot of these passages. Now, now you may still have some questions about the second coming. I have a recommendation for you, in fact two. Firstly, you might want to look at the sermon that Douglas Jacoby preached for the Watford Church uh, last year. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's on my YouTube channel. It's called The Second Advent, Death Is Not the End that covers the same passage i think he preached that in maybe december last year but it's up on my youtube channel and again the link is in the show notes and the second thing you might like to do is have a look at douglas jacobi's book called what's the truth about heaven and hell very good book i've read it it has a lot of extra information more than i can put into one recording like this so you look that up on amazon or wherever you get your books from what's the truth about heaven and hell from douglas let me give you some questions for discussion in our local groups family groups locations whatever in the light of the themes of this uh, this passage here first question are you afraid of death are you afraid of dying are you afraid of judgment does it bother you that you don't know when Jesus is coming back how could you another question how could you allow these truths the truths that we will be with the lord and what's going to happen at the second coming how can you Allow these truths to inspire you and build others up, build one another up. How can it inspire you to live an awake life? And what does it mean to you to put on faith and love, to put on hope? What does it actually mean? It's one of those phrases we sometimes use as a Christian, we see it here, but what does it actually mean to you to put on faith, to put on love, to put on hope? These are decisions obviously that we're making so what does that actually mean? What does it look like? Let me know what you think about this. If you've got any more questions about the second coming, then ask Douglas Jacoby. <laughs> or oh, no, you can ask me. I might pass it on to Doug. But nonetheless, I know this doesn't answer all the questions, but I hope it provides some stimulus in our local groups to, co- to talk about something that we often don't talk about. Do we talk about the second coming? Not very often. No, we don't need to focus on it. And I would strongly recommend you don't go online and search for the millions of YouTube videos about how we know the date and time when Jesus is coming back, because we don't. <laughs> but but it is something important in our faith. It certainly was for the Thessalonians, and it is for you and me. So what can we do in talking about that second coming that could encourage us and build each other up? Let me know what you think. I hope you find it useful. Until the next time, take care. And God bless.